Hello everybody, welcome once again as we continue on in the study that we're doing of the New Testament. We're working through the New Testament a chapter at a time and we've been working on it now coming up on uh, three years and we're, we've made great progress through the Gospels and the book of Acts and uh, we're into the letters that Paul wrote now and we're taking them in the order that we believe he wrote them which helps us stay connected to our study in the book of Acts on the missionary journeys. And the reason that he wrote these letters, very important that we understand that he's writing back to brand new churches that he, um, that God used to him to start. Um, the church is a whole new thing anyway, particularly the Gentile church, but the whole church is new. Um, and imagine in any brand new thing, there's a lot of questions being raised. They're not sure how certain things work. They have a lot of issues and a lot of problems. And Paul, because of uh, who he is, um, gets in there and gets things started and then uh, often is run out of town and has to go somewhere else and start all over. And so he's constantly sort of on the move, but they know where he is, and he, he, they send people to him with questions, or they send a letter to him, and he responds back in letter form, answering questions. The, uh, the letter that was written to the Galatians was primarily written because of a problem that had happened with a group that became known as the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were a group of Jewish believers who had taken it upon themselves to leave from Jerusalem and um, on their own sort of accord and authority head out into the Gentile churches and try and enforce the law on them. And, um, and so that became their issue, telling these new Gentile converts that they needed to be circumcised. And it was more than just the circumcision, it was saying that they needed also to follow the law the way that the, the, the Jewish believers did. And Paul was saying, no, it's not how it works. Um, we're free from the law now, and, um, and he spent the entire um, letter addressing that issue, and that's what we've been working through together in all of these chapters. Um, now, just as a review, because it's been a couple of weeks, I know that we, uh, we've been on Galatians. In, in Galatians 5, we were talking about the, uh, the characteristics of, of the sinful nature and of the spirit, and we were contrasting the two. Uh, and so just by review, um, the, the sinful nature um, it's, it, you know, leads to death. It's, the, it's our old nature. It's not responsive to God. Uh, it's in conflict with the spirit, and, and it's ruled by its cravings. And what the sinful nature produces is immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. Um, and, and, and so these are the things produced by the sinful nature. The law was added because of these transgressions and, and, uh, and, and why it, it served to sort of um, help maybe limit them at some level. They still were in existence because people continued to move into the things um, of the old nature in their old ways. The, the spirit, however, is about a new life available to us in, in, in Christ, that the spirit of God now lives in us, that because of that, the, the spirit of God being in us, um, in our new lives in Christ, we can be responsive to God. Um, he empowers us to engage in the conflict against the sinful nature, to have some victory in that, and, and um, uh, our new lives are ruled by God. The products of our new life are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against 
those things, there is no law. And so the, the, the big discussion has been throughout these, this letter um, that, that we're, we're not under the law anymore, but that in no way freezes up to go and do whatever we want to do. That's not the point. But the law didn't work. It was ineffective. Uh, it, was, it was put in place as, as just a sort of a stopgap measure until Jesus came. And then once Jesus came, the law was no longer necessary because we would then, because of what he would do at the cross and defeating death and sending the Holy Spirit, we'd have a new way of life available to us um, which we're, where we'd be led by the Spirit. We'd be responsive to the Holy Spirit and we'd no longer continue on in the, in the ways of the old man. We'd start moving in the new life that we were given. Obviously, we're not perfect in those things yet. Um, uh, and yet the law and rules never stops anybody from doing what they shouldn't. It's only as they engage in relationship with God that change is made. It's only as we continually yield to the Spirit and, and, and grow in Him that we are successful in making those changes, uh, the complete changes. Um, sometimes, you know, outwardly we might make some progress in observance of the law, but the change doesn't happen until it changes on the inside, until we really no longer want to go out and do those things like we used to. And, and that's a, a product of the Spirit of God working in us. And th- those things continually change throughout our lives. And so we're, we've been talking about this whole um, process of, of this new life that we have in Christ and while we're not under the law. I've also said over and over again, we have to be vigilant because it has been the tendency and continues to be the tendency of the established religious um, groups of the day to, to slip back under law. Paul even said to the Galatians, can't believe you want to go back under law. You just got free from it. And yet there's something that draws us to it. Part of our sinful nature actually draws us back to it because we, we think if we could just define um, by law what we're supposed to do and not do, that somehow that's going to be where we find life and there's no life found in there. Because by nature, when someone tells you not to do something, you want to do it even more. It's just, it's just the weird thing that we have going on inside of us. And, and, and so it's not until we realize as the Holy Spirit convicts us of doing things that we shouldn't do that because that's where life is found that we can begin to make the change. There's no life found in the old way of doing things. The, the product of the old way of doing things, there's no life in them. And, and life is found in the new way of doing things in Christ yielding to the Holy Spirit. And so it's all about grace. It's about understanding grace, mercy, forgiveness, and finding life in there. Understanding we're in a battle. We'll still make some bad choices because we're, we're, we're in this sort of daily kind of conflict. Um, but, but that the law doesn't fix it. And, and, and shifting back into the law doesn't fix it. And becoming a group of people who just uh, hammer down a bunch of rules doesn't fix it. Because once you become those people, you stop loving. And then the church loses its voice, loses its impact. When we don't love well, because we're judging everybody else, because we wouldn't do that, because we have a law against it, we stop loving them well. And, and so that's the, that's the balance that we look for today as the church. Um, loving like Jesus did, uh, attracting sinners like Jesus did, because we are sinners. Um, he wasn't, but he, he was attractive to sinners, and he was the, the holy one of he, he was it. He was righteousness. He was truth. He was integrity. And yet people in, in rampant sin were attracted to him because he loved them well. And, and they would come and hang out with him. And, and when they asked him, he'd just say, stop. <laughs> and they'd go, okay. 
And, uh, <laughs> and they were stopping. If you read it, that's really what he said. You really probably should quit doing that. But he couldn't have done that if he hadn't loved them first. See, the, the established religious order of the day had no impact over people's lives because they didn't love them. They just judged them. They were critical. They were, they were mean. They made it impossible to get to God. So they, they just sort of gave up. Jesus came so people could know that they can be in relationship with him. They can be in relationship with God, that there was a way being made and, and that they could reconnect with him and live in him and for him and with him and experience life in ways they had never imagined. In the midst of a broken, fallen world and planet, we can experience life. It's not perfect because the, the perfect ain't here yet. It's coming back for us. And then he'll set everything right. But it's, it's better than all the other options. And, uh, and so that's what we live in. Okay, so that brings us up to Galatians 6, 18 verses in Galatians 6 to end this letter. And uh, let me read you those 18 verses. We'll talk about them for a few minutes. Have a little time for prayer and we'll call it a night. Galatians 6, 1 through 18. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions and then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instructions in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Let's read that verse again. (laughs) That's a little pastor humor. I'll move on. Do not be deceived. (laughs) That was pretty good. Did you like that? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, Let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And blessed be the word of the Lord. A few things I want to talk about in those verses today. Um, In Galatians 6, 1 and 2, it's a reminder that we are not to deal harshly with new believers who are learning to walk this new life by trying to do the next right thing. We're to gently help restore people who make bad choices. And that's people that have been trying to do it for a while. And, and even, even at that, let me say that, that uh, even if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you know, a lot of ways we're still new believers. 85, 27, I've been walking with the Lord 27 years. Um, and, and there's a lot of things that I'm still not, don't have down yet. And I don't respond to harshness. I respond to gentle correction. And, and uh, we need to be aware of that, that when, 
Um, so, so often, if we just love people where they're at and love them well, um, that the Spirit of God, because he's present, will continue to move in them and bring them change. And, and um, we have to move into that gently. So, so, so we're not, in general, the sin police. And, and by that I mean we don't need to go around and start pointing out everybody's sin. I can't walk around tonight, sorry. Um, I forget. I'll stay, I'm, I'm on, here, here we go. Uh, you know, and that's a tough job anyway. I don't know who would want that job. Because when you start having that job, you know, you get, you get, you get it the same measure, whatever you pass out there judgment-wise comes back at you. That's got to be a tough job, doesn't it? So uh, there's someone who's really good at that. That's the Holy Spirit. And he lets people know. You know, I, I've talked to people for a long time now. Most people know when they're into something they shouldn't be into. They just know. This, they're already, and they're, they're at whatever state they're at and dealing with it. And uh, if they ask me about it, I always try and tell them what I think. If they ask me what I think the Bible says, and I, you know, these are better. I think these are better decisions. But you know, I love you in the process because I got stuff I'm still working on. And there's something in that I think that's restorative, and allows you to see change in people in very significant ways. Because when the Spirit of God gets a hold of someone and begins to change something, changes happen. When someone is responding to harsh judgment usually doesn't take, it's been my experience. They might make some outward shifts, but they haven't, the heart of the thing, the, the inner deal hasn't got fixed yet because the spirit hasn't moved into it. So we're to gently help restore people that make bad choices like we do and, and help them to keep trying to do the next right thing. Let them know there's forgiveness, that life is found in doing the next right thing and, and to keep moving into that process. And we're to look for ways to help each other fulfill the law of Christ and the law of Christ, what the, the thing that Paul's talking about there is his commandment to love one another. John 13, 34, and 35, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. This new thing that Jesus brought the church, this new commandment, this new, this new rule, this new law was love each other like I've loved you. That's what's gonna make the difference. Love well, encourage each other care about each other, pray for each other, restore one another, help one another, love one another. Um, we've already read, you know, Paul's talking to the Corinthians saying, look, you know, sometimes you'll disagree even, even scripturally, but love each other so that the Spirit of God can move into it and help change you uh, from both directions. And so this is the attitude we need to have to go into it. Um, but then he wants to address it further uh, in, in verses three through six. He says this, look, you, you need to settle basically in, this, um, in, in his love and then live the life that he's called you to one step at a time, doing the next right thing. And as you do it, don't compare yourself to other people um, because then you'll start getting false pride usually is what happens. Because when, see, whenever you start comparing yourself to other people, you generally try and find people that, aren't, that you think are doing worse than you so you can feel better about yourself. You know what I'm talking about? The comparisons are usually tossed out on people that, and well, I am better than them. You know, one of my favorite things is I used to think that way. That, see, years ago before I knew Christ, when I was doing drugs, there was, there was a status among drug users and because I wouldn't do, you know, I wouldn't use needles or anything, I used to look down on people that did. I'd do just about anything else, but I'd think, how can those people do those things? Isn't that ridiculous? I look back and think how that ridiculous is, you know, of hiding in a bathroom doing drugs somewhere. I mean, that's just nuts. But, but 
it's where you get. And, and even in this life, you know, free from all those things, we can easily start trying to feel good about ourselves by judging other people's walks. And Paul says, don't. It's not, that's not your job. You, you run your race. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to run our race the best we can. And, and you know, if we gently restore people that are a mess as the, as the opportunity to rise, but, but, but we do that lovingly. Have to do it all in love. Don't compare yourself to others because you'll, you'll just get false pride. What you do is, how am I doing with the, the walk that God's given me? And that's what you can sort of, where you can find some stuff in it. If you need to compare yourself, compare yourself to Jesus. You're not doing as good as him. <laughs> if you think you are, you need to call me for a counseling appointment. A very short one. <laughs> We do the best we can, loving well, encouraging all those things. Now, then he moves on quickly from there, verses 7 through 10, because he wants to make sure that everybody knows that this freedom we have in Christ is not a license to sin. And that's what we have to be aware of. See, because that's what people think. Well, there's no rules, and I can just do whatever I want. No, not even a little bit. In every chapter, he's made that emphasis. Uh-uh. Grace doesn't mean you can go and do whatever you want to do. There's already a list of things here, you know, that the old, that the, the, um, sinful nature is into and what the fruit of the spirit looks like so we have that there and so this whole concept isn't a license for us to go and do whatever we want to do that's not what the freedom we have is for the freedom we have is to love well like God loves and you don't love well under the law and under all those rules you don't so the freedom we've been given is that we can love the way that we're supposed to and then he tosses in this very important thing that a lot of people miss or, or misappropriate in other things he talks about reaping and sowing. You reap what you sow. Now a lot of people want to take that concept and make it all about money and, and it, has a, it has a money concept but that's really not what's being talked about here nor is it what's talked about in most um, situations. It's a, it's a very, very important biblical concept everybody needs to understand reaping and sowing. Here's, and it's in, it's in place, God put it there on purpose. Here's what happens. If you start to do things you shouldn't do, you'll get consequences for those things. Do you know why? So you learn that you shouldn't do them. That's reaping and sowing. It makes absolute and perfect sense. Jesus steps into the process at the cross because of our sin that ultimately what we've sown, that what we're supposed to reap is death, but he stopped that at the cross for all who believe. He took that on, which is why it's such an amazing thing. But the, con- the, the idea of reaping and sowing is, is fully in place in life today to help us make this transition from the old way of doing things to the new way of doing things. The idea is if you do something you shouldn't and you face a consequence, next time it comes up as an opportunity, you might go, really not worth it. Does that make sense to everybody? That's, that's in place. Biblically, it's a, it's a huge thing by God, and a lot of people don't want to get that. And, and so um, when when we realize that doing the wrong thing often has some pretty significant bad consequences, hopefully we shouldn't do them. And let me say this, doing the next right thing turns out much better, but doesn't, doesn't automatically mean that everything always works out because the, the world's broken, fallen planet, you get that stuff. Sometimes, sometimes the stuff that other people does do impacts us, which doesn't seem fair, but it's just part of the deal of living here, all right? It's not, this ain't perfect. Um, but, but we have to grasp this concept of reaping and sowing and this is why it's so important to know. A lot of people um, want to be able to 
sow whatever they want without reaping the consequences. That, that's part of your sinful nature. That's, everybody really likes that deal. Some people are actively involved in working that deal out in their lives. And they generally try and involve family and friends so that they can do whatever they want and the people around them absorb all the consequences. Do you, you guys catching any of this? Because <laughs> it happens all the time. So someone is doing something they shouldn't and because you love them, you step in and you take the consequences from them. You get right in the way of what God wants to do. And, and you step in there. And this whole verse, you say, well, he says we're supposed to do good. You are supposed to do good. However, there's something about reaping and sowing that you need to understand because sometimes the absolute kindest thing you can do for someone is to get out of the way and let them take full on the consequences. Or you know why? They'll never change. There's no reason to change. If I can do something and get someone else to take all the consequences for me, there's no reason for me to stop doing it. Absolutely none. None. There's none. I, I've been with lots of families and stuff where the, the family would come in to talk to me about a member of the family because their whole, all their lives were upside down and the one causing all the problems wasn't in the room. And I said, well, where, where are they? Well, they're out jet skiing. Okay, problem number one. <laughs> They should be here, not you. Stop. Get out of the way. Let the weight of what they're sowing hit them square on and let them deal with it and see if they don't change. Because that's, that's the kindness of God. We don't see it as a kindness. That's God's kindness. Reaping and sowing is a, is a biblical kindness so that you stop doing things that you shouldn't. And it has to be in place for this whole thing to work out. Or else you'd just continue to do whatever your sin nature wanted you to do because, well, there's no consequence. There's, there is. Again, there's grace and mercy involved. Thank goodness God steps in all sorts of times to help us out of bad situations when we really repent and stuff and, and he spares us from a lot of, neat, you know, a lot of bad stuff. But uh, as, as people in relationship, we have to know that sometimes the most loving thing we can do for another person is not fix their problems. How's that? Twisting your mind a little. Really? Yeah. Like people often tell me what I need to do for them. I don't think so. I think I'll pray for you. And then God can move into it however he wants. But if, we, if I step in and fix it, why won't you, you're going to do it again. What would stop you from doing it again? If you, if you have to work through it, it's a whole different ball game. But, and it's God's ball game. It's how it's supposed to work. And so we have to kind of get a hold of this because I see a lot of people under a lot of stress in their lives because they are reaping consequences for what someone else is sowing. And you, you, the best thing you can do is get out of the way. Because really, you don't you have enough of your own? That's what I always think. I got enough of my own stuff. I got plenty. So, so we have to kind of get out of the way. And it's kind, but it doesn't always, it's, it's, that's really doing, that's about as oftentimes the kindest thing you can do is to allow whatever's going on to have to deal directly with God and the process so that they change. So um, doing good does not always mean fixing someone's problems. Sometimes it does. Um, uh, and so here's, here's what I try and, this is kind of my, my differentiator. Because I have two, there's two things in life. And, and uh, driven by the fact that, that I get pretty busy. Do you get pretty busy? 
Okay, so sometimes when we're busy and something comes along um, and, and we may not feel like doing it, but it's the right thing to do, but we don't feel like doing it because we're busy, that's one situation. The other situation is when we feel like someone is guilting us into doing something. That's my measuring stick. When I feel like I'm being guilted into doing something, I generally don't do it. But no, that just doesn't fit right. And, which never, and it it's never goes well. It's never that easy to say either. <laughs> because the answer is not appreciated. But, but do you know there's a difference, right? Do you, and I'm hoping you get the difference. There's a difference. When you feel guilted into doing something, that's when you need to stop and look at it and pray about it. And God, am I really supposed to do this? Because I, it feels like I'm being guilted into it, and I, it just doesn't feel right. Or, you know, is it something that you, you know you really should do? You, just, you, you don't really feel like doing it, but you should do it. That's totally different. And there's a, there's a different response to that. And so you need to be looking at that because we're supposed to do good, especially in the family of believers, but not because we feel guilted into it. And if you're doing something and the whole time you're doing it, you're upset about it, that's not good either. You know, and a lot of times that's a response to because I felt guilty in, in the first place and I didn't want to do it. So check that out. But that's really important. There's a lot of neat stuff in this last little chapter. That's big life stuff. So, uh, so take that in. Last few verses, six, uh, 12 through 18. As Paul closes the letter, he points us all back again to the cross of Christ. Um, Jesus died and rose again, uh, and, and in him, you and I have risen as well into a new life in him. Uh, this new life isn't ruled by the old law, but it's a life filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the vital presence of God himself now living in us. This new life isn't about circumcision or uncircumcision or any other outward symbol, um, but it's about abandoning, abandoning our old lifestyle for his new and better way. And that's what it's all about. And that's what he says in Galatians 6 in response to this attack that came on the church in Galatia. And we'll end it with there because it's eight o'clock. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for watching. Uh, we, we know how valuable your time is. We appreciate you spending it with us. If there's anything we can do for you, call us, write us, email us, check us on our website at keysvineyard.com. But we're gonna close here tonight with prayer. You can shut the video.